0: Talk of the Town with topics that matter. Here's Lisa Kay.
1: It is a Finally Friday here on KTOE. Back on Talk of the Town, my name is Lisa Kay. And as we head towards the weekend, something I didn't do last weekend was go to the Minnesota State Fair. I didn't even make it up there at all this year. Focus on ag. Kent TC, our Farm Management Analyst and Senior Vice President from Minstar Bank, is joining me on the phone. Kent, I know you go up to the fair every year. Did you make it this year?
0: Oh, yes. I was up there the early part of the fair. Uh, I still uh, uh, do some volunteer work up there, work with the uh, 4-H livestock shows. I coordinate the 4-H beef cattle show and uh, also work with the 4-H auction up there. So uh, actually for us, the state fair starts the day before the state fair Mm. and then uh, up there through the first Sunday. And, of course, this year uh, that was our first hot spell was – <clears throat> the beginning of the fair in fact the day that all the livestock came in which was the wednesday before the fair that was the day we had the 115 degree heat index yeah and then the first couple days of the fair were very warm and then of course the middle of the fair was the uh, ideal weather the kind of nice cool weather and then last weekend of course uh, labor day weekend was very warm again at the state fair and did cut into their numbers a little at the end of the fair. They end up with pretty good numbers overall, but did cut into their weekend numbers from where they've been the last couple of years. And they even it was even so warm they let the livestock go home early instead mm. of usually it leaves mid afternoon on Labor Day and they let it go uh, at eleven o'clock Sunday night because of the heat. So uh, the heat definitely did impact the fair over uh, you know as far as parts of it, but. Overall, they had a good fair. I think their numbers were pretty down just a shade from last year, and I think it was the sixth highest ever. And I think uh, as far as dollar-wise, of course, they raised some prices, but I think they did as good as they've ever done. So. Overall, it was a really good state fair. I think.
1: And so you were working with the 4-Hers. I know that yeah. we had quite a few of the 4-H community uh, kids that were up there showing uh, all the different types of animals that they bring. Did Did you see anything notable from our, our well, listening area?
0: Obviously, uh, yeah. It was it was very good. Uh, um, the uh, um, grand champion uh, market beef or uh, market steer actually came from just south of us down in Faribault County mm. and uh, uh, Ethan Evanson and uh, was the top seller in the auction. Actually, the steer sold for $60,000 in the auction wow. and the young man gets to keep 80% of it. Now, uh, that was the top. The, the neat thing about the Minnesota State Fair auction is there a lot of state fairs, they only sell the Grand Reserve of Champions. In Minnesota, uh, we sell 115 exhibits. Uh, market beef, dairy steers, market hogs, market lambs, market goats, and market poultry, and so uh, that was if, like for the example. This year, the champion pen of chickens, which was from down in Martin County, sold for over seven thousand dollars. Oh my! Ch- champion pen of turkeys sold for fourteen thousand dollars. Holy so, cow! Uh, and of course, you get a lot of support from. Uh, those animals yeah, uh on not just the champions but a lot of the other animals uh, uh there's a lot of businesses that donate uh, and individuals hundred two hundred dollars to support them so uh there's probably uh a couple thousand different donors that support that auction and make it go so uh, really a successful deal and on top of that we gave out uh 115 scholarships totaling $139,000 to Mm. young people that are going to either a two or four year school. So really a successful event.
1: Love it. Love to hear those things. Um, I know as we move forward, uh, the heat that we talked about, everybody's favorite topic, the weather and um, all of that, but we're talking a little bit about the crop update. We've had this super hot, dry weather, not enough rain uh, late August and early September. Let's talk about uh, the conditions right now with the crops.
0: Well, it seems like uh, we've been kind of going through this, uh, yo-yo uh, during the whole growing season when we've done, done these monthly reports. Uh, I remember last month we talked about haze hey, and temperatures have moderated. We were starting to get a little rain and maybe the prospects weren't quite as bad as we thought earlier in the summer when we had a lot of dry weather and some very warm temperatures back in June and early July. And uh, Unfortunately, we kind of went back the other way again here. Now uh, We talked about the state fair that first uh, hot spell when we had the hundred degree temperatures for several days, and then the one, most recent one here uh, over Labor Day into early uh, earlier this week, and uh, and especially those areas that were kind of dry before it kind of caught probably caused a little more crop damage, and even some of the areas were maybe had some recovery. It looked a little hopeful for the beans. It's probably gonna. Uh, kind of limit how much value we got out of that it just got too hot and too dry and it's really pushed the crop along fast it's really maturing fast and i think what we're going to end up with is just a lot of variation in the yields. yeah there's going to be some yields that to end up probably still pretty good but boy i think uh, there'll be some disappointing yields out there too around the region and lot's just going to depend on uh uh you know certainly soil types and planting dates, but also did you get those timely rains and when did they come and uh, how much good did they do? So think there'll just be a lot of variation out there once we actually get in the field and start harvesting the crop
1: did you hear anything about uh, some of our listening area got some pretty bad hail and i know some crops uh in the growing community as far as um you know farmers <coughs> markets and things like that those were damaged uh did you hear yeah anything?
0: there there certainly was some of that uh, some of that back when we did have uh uh back in august some of the uh rain and storms uh, did produce some, some pretty large hail and wind, and uh, again, those areas uh, got some further crop damage from that, and uh, it wasn't, um, most of those storms weren't widespread, but certainly those areas that got hit with that, uh, it, it can do a lot of damage in a short period of time.
1: Well, I know that the harvest season is is coming pretty fast. Uh people are out working hard. Um what do we need to know?
0: Well, I think uh you know, the obviously everybody's kind of getting ready and and uh I think uh, a lot of times uh we kind of think well, uh, we don't really think much about getting into harvest till the end of September, but certainly this heat has kind of pushed it along that uh probably here you know uh, but even by next week we might see some early stuff but certainly as we push out toward the uh, middle of september and beyond we're going to start to see both corn and soybeans uh, kind of reaching maturity for harvest Uh, some of the corn uh, has reached uh, what they call physiological maturity or black layer and once it reaches that it means it has reached maturity And uh, usually that corn at that point's at about 30 to 35% moisture. And, uh, you know, ideally farmers like to harvest that corn when it gets down uh, closer to 20 to 25% moisture. But certainly with warm weather, uh, that moisture starts to drop fast, and especially when it's dry. So some corn, uh, not all corn, but some of the early planted corn in some of the drier areas. might start getting ready, and we, we've we seen some early varieties of soybeans uh, uh, turning color and uh, starting to drop leaves. So, uh, again, within a couple of weeks, some of those could be ready. So by the end of September, I think we could see uh, in many areas across the listening area that harvest will be pretty much in full swing. So unless, unless the weather pattern really changes and we turn you know, really cool and wetter, you know, we get in a wetter pattern, but there's not a, at least in the 10-day forecast, not a lot of moisture being projected out there right now.
1: Yeah, did you have something to say about sweet corn, a sweet corn harvest?
0: Yeah, I just were, was going to mention that. Uh, I think we mentioned it last time about uh, sweet corn, uh, you know, obviously very popular, and I think a lot of people that sweet corn this year, at least the sweet corn I had, was
1: excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, of course, most of the sweet corn that, uh, unless you're out in the farm, you buy it at the local stands or you got a friend that you go pick some. And But it's interesting, uh, Minnesota is actually a major sweet corn producing state, which may sound kind of strange when we're as far north as we are and we only have a shorter growing season. But in Minnesota, Minnesota actually produces uh, about 22% of the sweet corn that's produced in the United States. and. The other top-ranking uh, states are all further north, too, states like Washington and Wisconsin and uh, those type of states. Now, the interesting thing is, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, uh, about between 75 and 80% of the sweet corn produced, though, goes to processing plants, uh, or the so-called canning factories, they used to be called, uh, like the large one in Waseca, where they're processed uh and sold uh, in stores. So even though we have a lot of the, the stands out there this time of year selling corn, uh, we also, as we drive around the country, see a lot of sweet corn being harvested in, to the large trucks and then processed. So the sweet corn, not only raising sweet corn, but the processing industry is very big in Minnesota. And So uh, again, uh, enjoy the corn while it lasts. There's <laughs> still some corn out there, but it's going to be pretty short-lived here with the heat we've had, uh, being able to buy the fresh corn.
1: I feel like it was just yesterday. I was super excited because the corn was in, and now you're telling me it's almost done, but we're going to enjoy it while, it while it's here, definitely. Kent T C is our farm management analyst, uh, focus on egg on Talk of the Town today, and we're talking a little bit about some of the potential for from uh, some financial challenges later this year for our farmers. Where do we start?
0: well we kind of talked a little bit last month about that and you know uh, uh, even though we're talking some potentially some reduced yields locally in our area um, nationwide the prospects are have uh, at least to this point still pretty good for yields for corn and soybeans and total production and uh, the demand is uh, probably a little softer than it was a year ago so right now uh, the local prices for corn at harvest time here are about four fifty a bushel, and uh, a year ago at this time we were at like five seventy five a bushel. Mm. So that's a pretty good drop from a year ago, and two years ago we were like at five dollars, and if you go back to two thousand twenty we were at three seventy five. Now the big difference there isn't just the price, but obviously yield is a factor. But the other big factor is the cost. Uh, You know, if you go back when we had 375 in 2020, our break-even for most farmers was probably uh, below $4 a bushel. And the break-even right now for most farmers to produce corn is probably 5 to 5.50 a bushel. So uh, actually the 375 sounded like a low price, but I think we had pretty good yields that year in a lot of areas. And the break-even price is lower and our break-even price, and yeah, again, if the yield is lower, the break-even is even going to be higher. So there are going to be some challenges out there, especially uh, with corn. Now, soybeans are right now the fall price is in, in that uh, probably twelve fifty to thirteen dollar a bushel range, which is probably above break-even for most producers. So we're in a little better shape there, and isn't uh, that far below uh, where we were a year ago, a little bit lower, but, uh, but certainly in corn, I think uh, uh, corn's an expensive crop to raise, and so there could be a few challenges. Now, one thing that kind of helps out a little is crop insurance. Uh, again, f- uh, most farmers do carry some level of crop insurance, and for those farmers that carry higher levels of crop insurance, they'll have some protection. Uh, on those yield losses and uh, with the lowering prices. But uh, there'll be a lot of variation out there where farmers are going to be sitting once uh, we get out to December and January after harvest is over.
1: How about hog and dairy farmers? Well, the livestock, uh, the,
0: the the only segment of the livestock industry that seems to be doing quite well at this point is beef producers. Uh, they're doing well uh, for both hog and dairy producers, uh, their market prices continue to be below break-even levels, and uh, they've continued to show some losses. And we've seen uh, in both of those industries across uh, Minnesota and the upper Midwest some producers exiting the business just because of the low profit margins.
1: All right. I know that in the months past we've been talking about the farm bill, the new farm bill. Uh, <clears throat> the current bill expires at the end of this month. Uh, so what do you have going forward on that?
0: Well, we're kind of getting to the uh um finish line on that. I guess we should be getting to the finish line. We we aren't really getting to the finish line. Uh, the current farm bill, which was passed in 2018, expires the end of this month on September 30th. And uh so and at this point, Congress uh There hasn't been any legislation officially introduced. There's been several hearings, several listening sessions like the one that was at FarmFest. So it's pretty obvious it's not gonna be done by that point. Now, a lot of the programs that are in the Farm Bill uh, are on on a continuing basis and most likely the funding to support some of those programs like the Food and Nutrition Program will be included uh, if Congress passes a uh, budget extension, which they're working on right now, that will be included there. Now, when we come, we talk about the farm bill and the, the farm part of it, um, 2023 is the last year that's covered by the current farm bill. So for 2024, the new farm bill would kick in. Realistically, they could probably wait until... Uh, uh, the end of the year, even into early next year, to pass the farm bill and still have it covered the 2024 crop. They've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. Again, realistically, um, with the division in Congress, will they get it done? Not. It's not looking too likely right now with the political divide. More likely is they would extend the current farm bill to cover the 2024 crop year, and those the current provisions we currently have would just roll forward.
1: Okay, that sounds like a hurry up and wait for next month and our update on (laughs) on that. Uh, Let's talk a little farm safety with the last few minutes that we have left here on Talk of the Town today. Since it is fall, we like to remind people of a few things.
0: Well, I think it's always a good reminder, um, you know, uh, with harvest coming and it's going to come fast. Of course, school starts in September. It's just a good reminder, uh, both on the farm level to... uh, kind of take time, make sure all the equipment is, the safety procedures are in place, uh, and know where people are, especially if you have young kids around or older adults that might be at the farm, uh, and when you're dealing with grain bins and silos and all that to, uh, take the extra precautions you need to do, or if you're emptying out manure pits, uh, And for all of us that are out on the rural roads, is to pay attention. Uh, Farm vehicles uh, move a lot slower, uh, stay off our cell phones, and uh, just pay attention to what's going on around you. Unfortunately, every year it seems like we have some bad accidents that happen out in rural areas, and uh, I think some of them could be avoided with just a little extra care and caution.
1: Absolutely, I I saw something on the Internet the other day that said that we, you know, as we're driving around, we need to realize when we see those big uh, pieces of equipment on the road that we're in their office space for a little bit there. So nothing. Right. More-
0: and a lot of times, you, you know, you'll see a truck or a combine or tractor pull out on the road and uh, they're moving very slow. So you got to slow down. You can't just pull up on them real fast and, or make sure you're not passing in a area with poor visibility. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is just uh, doing those common sense uh, caution things when you're out driving.
1: Kent, if people want to receive the Focus on Ag newsletter Um, that you send out, how do they get signed up for that?
0: Well, the best way is uh, you can just go to the MinStarBank.com website and uh, go to the MinStarBank website and sign up there or Uh, shoot me an email at kent.tc at minstarbank.com, and we'll take care of it.
1: All right. Once again, all of those information pieces will be in the show notes underneath this on ktoe.com. It's another focus on ag. Kent, the next time I talk to you, it will be full into fall. I think that starts on September 22nd. So we'll look forward to it. You have a great rest of your September.
0: Well, same to you.